It's uh, it's Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and we've got uh, we've got Jason Witten on the uh, on the road to nowhere at the moment, and uh, luckily we've got a substantially better looking uh, personality to bring in, uh, which we promised last week, uh, Paul Sidorovsky from Sidcor. So, uh, mate, welcome to uh, Wealth, Wine, and Wisdom. For those who are first time into the channel, and there's a few of you are jumping on already. Please give us a, a shout out when you when you come in, and uh, I'm navigating this at the moment, not Jason. So bugger uh, <laughs> if I know if I'll do as good a job as the, the great man himself. But uh, I'm uh, I'm going to do my best to try and see what's going on in the chat and and bring you across. So James, good to see you, mate. Thanks for uh, hollering out. But uh, for those of you first time listeners, uh, Jason and Andy, and today with a, a special guest, accounting extraordinaire. Uh, Paul Sidorovsky, uh, the only uh, accountant with a personality, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> only one we've met anyway, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, uh, so Wealth, Wine and Wisdom started in the middle of COVID uh, or when COVID first started off and, and Jason and I were debriefing on the weeks. Uh, Jason from 20 plus years in residential property investing uh, in Australia, here in New Zealand, over 5,000 uh, client experiences with the, with the company at whole. If there isn't, uh, if there's something that's worth knowing about property, it's inside Jason's brain and we spend it weekly trying to tease that information out for all of you. And myself, uh, banking, finance, uh, corporate uh, and uh, investment banking don't hold it against me uh, for the last 20, 25 years domestically and abroad. So we came together to to chat about all of the changes that were happening in, in financial markets in legislation to help our small to medium business owner capadres navigate what has been an ever-changing and complex world. And uh, as we promised last week, uh, we started talking a little bit about the budget, but you know that we're very, very big believers of what you keep in your pocket is one of the most important things. And that's why we brought Paul on tonight to to chat about, you know, a bit about the budget and a lot about, you know, tax planning, bit small to medium business, and just have a little bit of a chat about the landscape that we're in right now, uh, given you know everything that's going on, especially for small to medium business owners. Because as Paul says, Jason says, uh, and, and I do as well, it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep. Uh, you can all boast about revenue as much as you bloody want, but it ends up in that bank account or in the wealth account for you. And uh, so I think Mate, I know right. you've got to dart out at some point uh, in the not too distant future. You've got a big team event that you've got to grace your presence and uh, and uh, uh, and buoyancy with. But mate, if if you're able to sort of share your insights into the world as we see it now, from a, a tax, uh, a mid-COVID world, and post-budget, pre-tax position for our property investors and business owners, mate, I'd love to just wax lyrical and pick your brain a little bit, if that's all right. Mate, yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. Um, look, the budget came out and, and we've all seen so much info and data around the budget that we all get sent around. Um, but look, like any any other, other you probably the doozers that I love and you probably know, Andy, you know, you've got your basic ones, prepaying expenses, making sure that you pay your super before 30 June for contributions that are for that month or that quarter before 30 June. Big ones for me, stock write-off, if you've got stock that hasn't been moving for six months, value it down to nil, write off bad debts, debtors that aren't looking likely to pay. They're like really basic ones. With COVID and the government and the budget, they've brought out that, you know, the right asset write-off. That's been extended. So just to give you a quick heads up, new or secondhand, unlimited dollar value that you buy before 30 June, you get the write-off other than a motor vehicle because it's capped to the depreciation cost limit around 58, 59K. So they're the main ones, Andy, that I see. Um, personal super contributions, again, depending on your age and where you are, you know, getting that tax deduction before it. Deferring billing, you know, if your cash flow permits, don't invoice everything out before 30 June. Um, make sure any invoices that you have put out that are unearned income, income that's, that's for the future, then make sure you pick it up as a liability and not as not as income, okay? So unearned income. 
what else? Um, the other real other ones that I've got. Um, yeah, prepaying rent and uh, super, we put that on, prepaying interest. Um, yeah, just bringing expenses forward where you can that you know you're going to spend later on. The other one too, you can write off the value of your written down value of assets at 30 June. So just make sure your accounts don't miss that one. It's a massive one, you know. So just make sure written down value of your assets at 30 June get written off. It, it's it's quite extraordinary. Um, so yeah, they're the prepayments ones, Andy. And and um, any questions, mate? Any any questions on that? Well, mate, I think that one of the things is is interesting, and I'm glad you touched on it, is because a lot of people will remember, and I don't know why, but a lot of people remember the uh, the 150 instant asset write off. And I hear a lot of people going, oh, "I can claim up to 150," but that's that's not the case, is it? It's you can claim as much as you want, pretty much. Since since they announced it, so don't hold me to the date, but let's say October or November last year, it's unlimited. So from then on, it's unlimited up to 2023. Like I said, other than motor vehicles, okay? Like motor vehicles that have the cost limit on them, you're, 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 you're capped. So we can't so go out a, by the luxury point. car tax, Paul? Is that luxury car tax limit or is that a different limit? Uh, depreciation cost limit. Okay. Yeah. So you can't go out, uh, Jason, get that uh, Porsche and claim it, it before 30 June, buddy. You might be in the in the Porsche already, so you're too late. And <laughs> I am, I am actually, but you know, too late to claim it. <laughs> I bet you've you've pegged him 100, percent mate. He'll be he'll be driving down there in the Porsche as we speak. <laughs> no, I love so, it. mate, it's it's only up to 60 or close to 60,000 you can claim of that sucker if you bought it new. But here's the thing, Paul: Have you seen any of your clients actually? dumping old cars and maybe buying them a little bit newer the, or uh, in order to bring that instant asset right off further, uh, closer to them because Mate, I've been considering, I'm kind of like, well, do I get rid of the, the nice car and give that to, to my partner and get and then <laughs> get, get myself a, a nice little uh, uh, 59,860 whatever the dollar is and just yeah. write it off in the first the number, year. The number's about 63 because of GST. 63 64 because you get back the you know the gst but mate absolutely it's a, it's it's happening and that's why we've got a shortage of cars this asset write-off has brought car purchases it's not only people sitting at home not traveling but it's actually brought a lot of purchases forward um people are rewarding themselves because they're not traveling where they would have traveled before they're buying yeah. cars. so it's um it's it's a big one but but where the real benefit is look i'm seeing clients that are buying machinery for work that they were going to buy anyway and they're writing them off. But the thing to be aware, if you're going to finance stuff and you get the write-offs now, it'll come back to bite you later. you just got to be ready because you won't have the tax deduction next year, but you're going to have the payments still to do. So as long as you're smart with the money, you don't go and blow it. But, you know, if you're smart and you're listening to Jason, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm sure Jason has been spruiking about the property market and What's going to happen for the next period? I haven't just so you know I haven't spoken to Jason about it, so I'd love to go <laughs> and pitch with him on on what we think the property market's doing and where it's going. Because um, you know I'm, I'm, I love my property; I do quite a bit in that space, so I'd love to uh, catch and pitch on that as well. Yeah, well, I think uh, we've got some interesting times ahead. That's for sure. J Jason uh, hasn't been uh, spruiking too much on it. He's uh, literally just been playing the recordings from uh, one of the first Wealth, Wine and Wisdoms that you were on when he was saying, don't, don't, don't buy into this bullshit that it's going down. This is going up. This is going up. This is going up. This is going up. So he just keeps on replaying that. And uh, I've got a funny feeling we're going to keep hearing the same video time and time again for maybe the next two to three years. So I might just pause there, mate, because I know that you got short on time. And, and for those, uh, and it really is, it's a, it's a time scarcity thing and we're, we're grateful for you to jump on here. But Paul's also agreed uh, for, for Jace, uh, for yours and my private clients to jump on uh, and do a good, really solid tax brief, really go through the nuts and bolts of That'd be great. the depreciation all of those sorts of things which are really key and ultimately the less you pay in tax and the more you can keep productively in your pocket and that's the key and not fall into that mistake which Paul just talked about that you buy a million dollars worth of machinery, you finance the whole damn thing. Yes, you get a million dollar deduction this year but you've got a million dollars worth of uh, future income 
that you're going to have to pay tax on and it's a big trap a big trap so for those of you who are interested in finding out more make sure that you're on uh jason and uh and our list so that you can come on and listen to yeah. the, uh, uh, the, this, the other one too boys just you know it's something that's been more topical of late You've got the company tax rate that's fallen, you know, 26% for this year, 25% from 1 July. Just be aware, guys, when you've got a trading, let's say you've got a trust that's trading and you've got, you know, the profits are got to be distributed out to beneficiaries, mums, dads, and a corporate beneficiary. The, the tax rate's 25% going forward for that when it's a business up here. When it's not a business and it's passive, it's 30%. So just be aware of that. Now, you might say, what's the difference other than the tax now? If you sit the money in the company, so you make a profit up here of a million dollars and you distribute it out to the corporate beneficiary, the company, and you leave the money there, no problem. But 99% of the time, everyone rips the money out. So all you're doing is, is just you're paying the 25% as opposed to the 30%, but it's just deferring. It's, it's just deferring more down the track because you're still going to have to pay the top-up tax between the marginal tax rate and the and that corporate tax rate. Look, it's just something that's been topical, right? When it's trading profits, you can get your 25% tax rate. When it's not passive income, it, it, it's 30%. So Kicks that's down the road a bit. The structure is very important. Yeah, and uh, I've got a quick question for you, Paul, on that, um, you know, going back to the, the write-offs, a lot of property investors, property owners getting right into you know, we can't go over holidays, we'll buy it. Can't go overseas, we'll buy a car. Well, maybe we can't go overseas, we'll renovate the house, we'll renovate an investment property, we'll put some money back in. Could, uh, you know, speak to that for five seconds about uh, coming yeah. on the end of the year. Be careful about, you know, capital versus repairs. Mate, even, I'll give you one even better. So if you're just going to go and repair your house or renovate or do whatever, and yet, mate, if you haven't got a depreciation report, get one before and then get one after because you get to write off all the stuff that was there before you did the renos because they're yes. all gone and then you get the double whammy. So that's number one. Yes, repairs versus capital. You know, make sure the efficiency of the function, this is what the ATO says, if you replace flooring with same flooring, you know, not heated tiles or whatever, it's not a, it's not a capital improvement, it's just a repair. So, you know, you can't do this if you buy a property and repair it up front. That's all capital, but again, you can claim it if you get that depreciation report before. Mate, big one. You bought a property this year and you renovated it, make sure you got two reports. Just remember that. You've got yeah. to get two reports. That's a good one. That's that, uh, that, that scrapping, that scrapping, um, that scrapping uh, law, isn't it? You can scrap the materials when you are. Uh, yeah, even yeah. to the point of you knock an old house down and you build a new one, you can scrap the old one, you know. Mate, 100%. So you just need yeah. to get one. This is this is a double whammy that people miss. They go, oh, yeah, we bought a house, we did renos, then we got a depreciation report. You just missed out. You missed yeah. out on a massive, massive upfront because get one before, scrap all the stuff they've already, you know, allocated and then claim the other stuff going forward. So it's a double whammy. What at what at what time? Uh, I'd be interested in your opinion on this one. At what point uh, would a a person who has multiple investment properties be considered in the business of investing in property for further tax deductions in their future? Yeah, mate. Look, there's there's a lot of cases on this. There's no number, but you'd, you'd have to you'd have to show that this is your business. Like, as in, if you've had if you've got two properties, it's not enough. You've got, to, you've got to be, you know, actively, you're managing yourself. You've got five or six properties, you're managing them, um, you know, and you're adding to it and you're in the business of, of, of adding value to them and so forth. You've just got to show that you're, it's a business. You're not just a yep. passive investor. It's a real business. So there's more argument for Airbnb because that's a business. You can say, I'm in the business of renting these out. I'm running the business of an Airbnb. They, yep. oh, they, that would classify more as a business. Um, but it's just a question of fact every time. You know, if you've got one property, you're stuffed. But, again, you if you've got a block of units, well, different story. But passive rental just coming in, no, it won't, won't, won't cut it. So you've got to be, we, got to be we more actually, active at the, uh, the back end of it. Yeah, okay. 
Paul, we, we had uh, a client once upon a time, and I'm wondering whether you know you see this as well in that space, that uh, had uh, an adjustment-style property. Yeah. Uh, and we applied to the ATOs. This is 100% legit, but basically we created uh, a, a hotel offering for horses, if you will. So yeah. I say, look, put the offering out to your clients. Have the fact that they're going to put molasses in their food, that you feed them, that you rug them, that you groom them, that you black their hooves and put different service packages there. And uh, and we at that point in time got a sign-off from the from the ATO saying, yep, it's a business, uh, which got him around. Otherwise, it would have been in rental. Is that something that you see and, and have been working with clients on? Or is that- yeah, yeah, you do. And it's just a question of fact. There's a ruling of all the things that they look at. You, just, you don't have to prove them all, but you, you've got to show that these are more likely to be a business than not. And I saw one of the questions on the on the chat saying, what's the advantages? There's two advantages um, when you sell it later and the small business capital gains rollover relief. But number two, claiming motor vehicles and writing them off like we just talked about the asset write-off. Like that's if you're in a business, you can claim all those. Um, so, yeah, there's, if you're a business, you get access to all these bloody federal government incentives that they've just put out. Mm-hmm. You get to you get to write off a few expenses before tax above the line, below the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's another question there: Um, way to reduce tax if a client pays in advance for work not yet completed. Yes, that is income. That that's yeah. If a client pays you before, yes, you put it to unearned income in the balance sheet, so you don't pay tax on it. Make sure that's massively important. If you're going to get paid up front, then yeah, it's and you haven't done the work, it's a liability in the balance sheet. And then as you do the work, it goes to income. You know, it's your ops, let's say you did part of it in July and part of it in August, then you allocate it over two months. So that's sort of almost cash basing and accrual based accounting system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'd be very pressed for you to you to argue with me that you're a cash based business in this market or in this yeah. world. Like if you're in a business, mate, it's very hard to prove that you're a cash-based business. It's a cruel accounting, you know. It's And those that are not are more the PSI income earners, you know, the ones that it's personal services income. It's all there. It's like contracting work. It's one person deriving the income. Yep. Does that, does that make sense? 100%. 100%. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm just having a look what else on the budget to, to mention to you guys. I looked at it because there was quite a lot of stuff in there that people would not even know about and have missed. Um, and I looked at it before to go, what things could I bring? You know, um, the pooling of assets and the writing off of assets, that's that's a big one. Look, all the stuff that Jace will know about, all the first home buyers, you know, the 10,000, Jace, you yeah, know, the 10,000, yeah. 2% for single mums now and 5% for first home buyers, look, that's just fuel, just just fueling everything coming along. Um, well, yeah. mate, rather than trying to, uh, to to push it right now, I can put you on the spot in a different way and say if uh, if right next Friday or the Friday after is free and you want to sit down and have a, a longer conversation that, that spans across opinions on property, where it's going, what Jace is doing, what we're doing uh, from the budget, from a tax, from a property perspective. Mate, uh, I know that the, the the viewers would love it and we'd love to have it because it's been ages since you and I have got to, to catch up as well, mate. It's, uh, mate, mate, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at my calendar right now. Mate, lock it in, Eddie. Lock it in? All right. So this is the first time we've actually booked something in on Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very organised, very organised. That's no, good. Mate, look, I, I'm... I live and breathe this property space and, you know, I, I have a business, property business, let alone an accounting business. So I, I'm, I've been listening, watching, learning, talking to the best economists, not here, just globally as well. So I'd love to share my thoughts. So the 4th of, uh, the 4th of June, mate, is we, uh, are we on for 4 o'clock on the 4th of June? 5 o'clock on the 4th of June. Lock it in, lock it in. I'll send you a, an email invitation, mate, so that we're uh, we're in. And I don't want to keep you, mate. I appreciate the fact that you've spent the time with us tonight. It was us who were late. It was uh, Jason and my fault. It was uh, it was not Paul's. It was definitely in Jason and my camp. But mate, I do appreciate the time because I know that that's detracting from your team. But uh, we will look forward to having a, a deep dive into all things uh, uh, property, tax, budget, 
uh, business on the uh, on the fourth. I beg your pardon, fourth of June. Mate, love to help. Thank you, guys. Enjoy, pick awesome. up. enjoy that drive, Jason. That pause <laughs> and uh, enjoy. Just just make sure that you you, you you trade a new one in, mate, so that you can get stung again with the uh, with with the non depreciation limit. But you can also get the the, the fifty odd thousand there. So. Uh, mate. I was thinking of giving this one to my missus as well. So, mate, you're giving me some ideas. <laughs> mate, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the numbers right now. I've got a youth that I've been looking at for a little while. <laughs> Crazy. Too, Andy. Thank Love you, boys. Thanks, Paul. See Appreciate you, guys. It, mate. No Thanks, mate. Thanks, Paul. So, uh, ladies and gents, that was uh, that's that's Paul Sidorovsky. He's, uh, he's been a regular, for those of you who have tuned in uh, right back from the beginning, uh, Paul was a uh, was was sort of a, a regular who used to help us dissect what was going on uh, in the world of property and uh, and tax and business and uh, and him and the the boys at Sidcor Accounting have been really helpful in in helping us even you know mastermind some of the tax strategies that we've been doing. Yeah. So I really appreciate mate, Paul mate, coming put on that, board. Put the screen back to your full screen. I think it's a bit dodgy at the other end. So just leave your wonderful, beautiful face, mate. It'll be all all fine for you. Well, mate, I'm just going to pull the uh, the the screen across because uh, I'm blacked out. Oh, yeah, well, it looks a bit dodged, but you know, while you're doing that, it uh, folks listening in, it is an interesting time when it comes to the world of tax, and some things are changing. Nothing drastic, but certainly, you know, the budget's giving us a little bit to think about. Andy and I were quite excited the other day, a few little ideas, and they're still percolating along. And um, it was an interesting one, and I'm. Uh, uh, I, uh, can you get your get your wonderful face back, Andy, or is it uh, blown up on us? Oh, I thought I was back. Hang on. No. Yeah, try, no, no. Just try, try and, try and be... change your um. Try and change your uh, picture around, but it may be at my end potentially. Um, I think it's on your end, mate. So the viewers, right. if you can help us out, if you can see my big ugly mug front and centre, please put a Andy. <laughs> we can see your big ugly mug, uh, or say you, there Andy. is a problem. <laughs> there is a Houston. We have a problem. Uh, you're you're back here, mate. So thanks, Calvin. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, so, beautiful. And Heidi. All right. Um, so we're we're all good, mate. It's on your end, but uh, we can hear you loud and clear. Oh, good. Well, uh, I've got a little pop quiz for you, Andy, uh, folks listening in. You might have seen this one the other day, but, you know, on average across um, across the states by con- contribution to uh, taxes, tax income by the state, the combination of property uh, revenue, so let's talk um, stamp duty, uh, let's talk local government rates, fees and charges as a percentage Andy and those listening in as a percentage of income across Australian governments or across Australian state governments, what do you reckon the percentages are um, across the country, Andy, that the states receive from real estate? So just just to articulate the question again is how much tax revenue does the government or the state governments receive as part of... uh, Investment properties, uh, properties in totality, not investment, but like the whole property industry so, when it comes to commercial, land residential, land tax, um, uh, stamp duty, mum and dad stamp duty, home stamp duty, investor stamp duty, whatever it is. Well, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I've I've got a ballpark. Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, I'm going to say about thirty percent. Just a bit more than that, um, 45% on average across Australia. Contribution to total tax revenues, according to uh, the AEC group. Um, this was in uh, Fin Review the other day. Uh, and guess what uh, your favourite state, Andy? Guess what your favourite state, the state you live in? <laughs> Mate, <laughs> did, did, did we punch 50%? Did we? <laughs> uh, yes, you did, 59%. Um, and uh, I think... Uh, all right, Deadly Dan, Deadly Dan, and the, and his crew are looking to carve a, a few more percent out, out, of the, out of the out of the coffers by the look of things. Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, but the highest state that has the highest uh, in the country is the ACT, actually. And uh, there you go. Isn't that interesting? The ACT. It always seems to be where the pollies play, isn't it? 
Mate. <laughs> I reckon uh, that's that. There's, there's probably a significant amount of deductions attached to those at the same time. Mate, I tell you this, and I've, and I've said this to, to folks before, you know, we all we joke about, you know, what's the ways we can have a capital gains tax-free property, you know, you can your own homes, capital gains. If you own property in a super fund after retirement in um, in retirement phase, you know, capital gains portion, you and I like this one, the capital gains tax free small business um, small business tax concession, what Paul what Paul just mentioned. And um, um, uh, the other one where you can have capital gains tax free property, Andy, is you can Become a, become a politician, actually, and you can have two Prince of Place of Residence capital gains tax-free because you can own one in Canberra and you can own one where you live. <laughs> well, he, here you go, Jace. Uh, that means you and I are starting a small business party, I reckon. Oh, I, I'm i in, Andy Fenton. Count me in. And I'm actually, it's just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I haven't thought of this before when I asked Paul and I've just wondered, I think you and I should... You and I should sniff this down. At what point could we help our clients, uh, our combination clients from a property investor point of view, sort of my crew, but working with you, turn into a small business property investment business that then qualifies Andy to have a $2 million property uh, sale for their small business, small property business. You know where I'm going with this? I, I know where you're going with it, and you're you're thinking about the active asset side, which would need to be part of the actual business. But I, but what Paul was referring to was the rollover relief, and that is, mate. I, I'd never thought about that, and that is definitely a strategy that you and I are going to unravel because <laughs> it's like, ooh, ooh you, yes, yeah, I, yeah. I, I felt your ears prick up, mate, when <laughs> when he said that. It was like, oh, this has definitely got Jason's attention, and and it does mine. And, and actually, you know what, even though we only got Paul for a very short period of time today, and that was legitimately Jason and my, uh, my fault, uh, but that, that actually goes to show the, the A-team concept. So yes. having an A-team of advisors allows you to have, even with the, the 15, 20 minutes that Paul was on, I reckon I'm percolating with about 15, 20 uh, action items on the back of it, because there's a whole lot of little things that Paul just dropped, even though it was super, super fast, uh, just dropped a whole lot of little nuggets that, uh, that I, and, and it looks like you have as well, Jace, just jumped onto and gone, ah, oh, that complements this, and we can work that through. And, uh, and that's really the benefit of being able to have people who are, who are sharp and on the money with, uh, with what they do uh, and are open to listening to other people's areas and opinions and ideas uh, that relate to their area of specialty. 100%. I think it's um, an exciting bit. Looking forward to catching up with him next week. But, um, mate, uh, what do you got anything in the news for this week uh, uh, at your end? Uh, I'm driving. I've got one or two little little slides here that uh, that I've, I've saved for us to chat about a bit later. But, uh, you know, what do you, what do you got? You got anything uh, for the team, the, the crew listening in? Anybody would think that we hadn't prepared for this, Jace. No. No, no, fully prepared. <laughs> well, mate, in the news, let me just bring it up because I accidentally put it back down. In the news, uh, Wine and Wisdom 47, who would believe it? That's almost as old as Jace. Um, <laughs> almost one more. <laughs> so we we had uh, we had uh, well Bitcoin continues to run its turmoil, but I, I love you know how I love these headlines, Jace. I love to take the piss out of things a little bit. It's four hours ago, hundreds of billions of dollars changed hands across derivatives this week, uh, eclipsed activity in the cash market as speculators rushed to close positions, and that was basically saying Bitcoin uh, bubble bursting. Uh, then four uh, seven hours ago, while Bitcoin bounces. <laughs> <laughs> While Bitcoin bounces up in a market uh, value like yo-yo, uh, there are real-world applications that utilise the crypto world currency underlying blockchain technology. So that was seven hours. So that was before uh, the four-hour talking about the bubble burst. And then right smack bang in the middle, five hours in between it, ASX futures were up 0.5% to uh, 7,050. All three benchmarks closed higher on Wall Street 
after the Federal Reserve re re released research uh, on the paper that, of digital currency and shows how that can actually help the globe. Mate, you try and figure out what's happening in between those headlines that were <laughs> a mere three or four hours apart by the same people. Uh, so this, ladies and gentlemen, is why you've got to be very, very, very careful about what you read because if you didn't scroll through the whole feed and you only got one of them, well, you were four hours away to making a wrong decision. But... Um, yeah. Something that you and I have talked about a fair bit uh, has been uh, is, has been value and growth, and you talk about value and growth properties, and uh, so for me, uh, I talk about it as in value and growth shares. So value uh, in the share market, and typically I look at commercial property in the value space, going well, it's something that has very very steady incomes uh, that underpin. The, the price of the asset and typically if it's under what the forward revenue looks like then it's a value stock and it's of value to you if the forward multiples meaning how much you're going to earn each year turns out to be a very very low percentage but the stock keeps rising anyway it's a great stock because you're looking at the expansion of the company rather than the ongoing income of the company so it's we were talking Jason you probably remember about the the potential cycling out of growth stocks yes. into value stocks. And uh, so here's the data, which is the most recent stuff that I can find from Canterbury Investment Research Management. This graph is value. So in the blue, uh, and so the very first is the 30th of the 9th, 30th of September 2020, through to uh, the 30th of May uh, this year is the, on the far right. So the blue line is value versus growth. So the outperformance or underperformance of value versus growth. And as you can see there, value is pretty much consistently been trending in the upward direction. So when you and I started saying that we can see is a bit of a value shift. Is this on volume? Is this on volume? What what's the what's the is this on, on performance comparison? On, on performance comparison, okay. So pure, uh, pure price. So yep. if you had both stocks that pure were valued price. at one dollar, and yep. the value stock went up to two dollars, then you would see the blue line go upwards really aggressively relative yes. to the other. So it doesn't mean that growth stocks are performing poorly, and it doesn't mean that value stocks are performing positively. Just by the by, um, because it's just the outperformance. So. At the moment, we did actually see a big clawback in uh, in Wall Street on growth stocks. But I wanted to show you this because this has actually been happening ever since we started talking about it in that value stocks have started to become more and more appealing because when the growth journey ends, and the growth journey does end, right, or it, it doesn't end, it slows down for a period of time. When the buoyancy is out of the market, because Apple's not going to go to $4 trillion just because people love Apple. There's got to be some price rationale in there, right? There's well, got to be I don't, know about, I don't know about that, Andy, but uh, but yes, you're probably right. But <laughs> it, it will it will end up there, but just just not I, not I not in this cycle. <laughs> and uh, well, Tesla is one of those stocks which is well beyond what you would really pay for it. Um, yes. But uh, but now what we're seeing is as people start to become a bit scared. When people start to become a bit scared and you're like, oh, market's overvalued, are they overvalued? And you're probably hearing sort of things like this in property. When people become scared of stocks becoming overvalued and in stock world, you can see a 15, 20, 30% correction very quickly, right? Yes, in COVID, it, it we happens saw a, fast. Yeah, we, yeah, we saw 38% in COVID and it happened within a matter of weeks. So uh, people are starting to become a little bit hesitant and going, maybe the growth has gone a bit too far. So what they look for is companies with really strong cash flow. Income, yeah. And because the, the income's not going away, Jace. In energy, people still have to pay their power bills. Uh, people still have to pay their interest rates on their mortgages. People still have to pay for their phone bills in telecommunications. So these companies, people still have to pay for petrol, um, regardless well, of what the counties are doing. According to Warren Buffett, you know, men get up every day and shave. That's why he likes Gillette, right? You know, it's income every day. 
Well, it's uh, it's 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 not 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 the man of my household, uh, but <laughs> but the theory he doesn't is make exactly much right. money out of me. I'm a bit of a baby face, but you know, like it's the it's the it's the income streams that are making sense, isn't it, right now? And you know, it's an interesting conversation, Andy. Like, there's a very similar thing that I uh, that I was just looking at uh, with with my crew the other day, where uh, interest rates cost of money, cost of, you know, the cost of borrowing has plummeted to all-time lows. You and I have chatted this, chatted about this many times. Uh, and now we are getting a, a yield compression, an affordability slash yield compression on property prices right now because yeah. people actually can afford 20% more just because the, the cost of the money went down. So, but... You know, I'm really curious, Andy. That's one of the things in the back of my mind for all the property investors. Now, like, when when the when the money's as low as it's going to get, like it can't can't get much lower. The lending can't get much lower. Can't get much cheaper. Then that little almost fake mechanism is off the table, right? It's off the table yes. when it comes to manipulation of the property prices. So. You know, I'm going to be very curious. We believe we believe the flight to quality is the answer for property investors when it comes to residential real estate. Um, and then, you know, certainly commercial, industrial, retail, I think will, will be valued <laughs> like a, an income stock. At the end of the day, you know, it's like, you know, what, what, what income can I get out of it? Is it stable? Like, you know, that will be worth more. The, the yield will compress because... The cost is less. Um, it's an in well, very interesting one. It's, it's happening. The, the further, the further, it's for me. It's a purchasing power of economics, right? And and this goes back to a conversation you and I had about Tesla. Remember when the, they had the share split of Tesla? And I said, yes. Normally, when companies go down after a share split, uh, we I reckon it's probably going to go up. And the reason why I reckon it's probably going to go up is because. Uh, we end up with a lot more. Uh, oh, there you are. So you pulled over, mate. I'll stop the screen share and we'll just bounce in here. Uh, and I said the reason why I think it's going to go up is because uh, it's now affordable. So more people can play. Yeah. Now, the more people yeah. that can play is the more irrational manipulation that can happen. The less people that can play, then the less irrational manipulation. It's still irrational manipulation. Right, but what tends to happen is you go further up, there are less players uh, up the scale. Now, when Tesla each share was fifteen hundred US dollars, not your average punter could go out and just drop fifteen hundred to buy a single share, right? And that's one share. But when it all of a sudden dropped to five hundred because they split it in a third or whatever it was, then everyone's like, "Well, actually, no, I can get a couple of Tesla shares now." And the volatility went, and then went. But what happens is if you've got a whole lot of penny stock investors and the company has a little bit of a tilt, they shit the bed and they're out. Like Bitcoin, yeah. uh, 80,000 to bang. And that's a that's an inverse uh, game as to Elon Musk was, you know, and, and him and his world, big players and lots of small players in the space, big players, gone, small players, bang. You know, uh, are, are out of the market, and it's just another example of how they can play together. Have, have we lost you, Jason? Well, no, we just uh, lost. Is my is, oh, did my camera go off? My back. All right, is that it? No. There we oh, go. There yep. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. We, I call them the good time Charlies in real estate. Well, you know, you get, you get, uh, you get these people who, uh, you know. Uh, for some reason, thought it was a good idea to invest, you know, uh, didn't really understand what that meant. And then, you know, the first sign of, you know, their property price didn't double in, in one year like that. They were told by some person who was full of it. Um, you know, they cut and run, they dump the property and they ruin the value of other people's, you know, long-term long -term goals, you know, for a year or two or maybe even longer sometimes. And uh, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? You know, that's, the penny stocks get the um, get the the other person um, the the volatility going and in real estate you know the good time charlies you know jam up the 
you know, the people who were there there for a long time, they were building their property portfolio. Yeah, it's an and interesting he, one. They're, they're, I, in, they're I, in every 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 nook and cranny, right? Well, I, I had a, a client of mine and, and I promised I'd actually ask you this while I was on tonight and, uh, and we sort of won't hold you to it, but I'll, I'll give you the background behind it. Um, not not able to go into the super high affluent kind of market, uh, and you know was looking in and around the the Mornington Peninsula. Has just sold, and sold on the expectation that maybe things were just going to become a little bit hard after they repealed JobKeeper and stuff like that. Not not on my advice, just by the by. Gee. And now sitting there watching the property market go up. Right now, if you go into non you know, million-dollar-plus territory, so you're, you're down the chain a bit. And I know that sounds like I'm a complete wanker when I say that, but now in Melbourne, <laughs> million dollars doesn't get you much at all, right? It doesn't get you uh, jack. It doesn't get you much in Sydney either, yeah. So his question was, Andy, I, I'm not sure what to do now. Do I do I just hold out rents and, and try and time the market or try and find when the, the opportunity comes or do I just have to get back in? And obviously, my response is one of lifestyle. It's like, well, mate, if it's for you, it's for your family. Where you buy and sell is almost irrelevant because you bought and sold in the same market and 30 years from now, it's going to be up. But that's got to be something yeah. that's playing in the psyche of people at, at this point in time. What, what, what would you say to those type of people knowing that they actually could if they're getting into the, uh, the, the village kind of house and land package that was well overpriced and oversold, you know, the, what, what would you be saying if they're kind of in and around, they're not quite sure? How would you treat that conversation? Yeah, certainly certainly two different conversations when it comes to, you know, is this is this a forever location? Is this the home? This is where the kids are going to go to school? And, and it just, uh, you know, other than if you can't afford it, you know, the dollars and cents really don't play into it in the short term. You want to you want to live there. You find the thing you can buy and you buy it, right? Um, but uh, you know, if they're not, I always say to people, if you're not committed to this location, you know, and and you're you're not quite sure, uh, I always say let the money let the money work somewhere else. Let it work in another state or a place or whatever until you're sure, because you can always exit if you want to. Um, I'm not a big fan of selling myself, but you know, it could go to work in a better market, uh, a less expensive market, uh, uh, a market that you could get a better return on, leverage and yield, um, you know, for two, three, five years until you're sure. Um, and you can bring it back to, oh, well, we're going we're gonna to buy a better house now. I've got a better job. I've got a better income. That money now I could, you know, borrow better with, something like that. So, you know, yeah, it does actually, come down to really that decision. Actually, you know what, and, and appreciate that, I'll, I'll- Probably send them send them round because if if the if he's not already listening, um, send you to Jason's team because I didn't actually think of that in the moment that that perhaps it's sit on the sidelines and uh, of your PPR and become an investor in an area that you can afford, which does show good potential, and at least you're covering both worlds deductibly from that perspective. So that was a yeah. that was one that I didn't think of in the moment. That uh, I'll pass that on, mate. And certainly, and certainly, in some cases, and, and Melbourne um, has had less pressure on the rents because of the COVID lockdown and other bits and pieces than other places in the country. Right now, you can actually rent very competitively in Melbourne in comparison to the the weekly month, you know, monthly cost of of something decent. So um, it's, it's it's interesting though because uh, on the streets. I think that the averages are coming out different to the the reality uh, at the moment. What we're seeing on the streets at the moment is areas where you and I wouldn't recommend anybody to buy a house, right? Yeah. But from you know uh, from income constraints and families and and school locations, uh, people are kind of forced into these areas. Some of these areas where you would not buy, you just wouldn't. Because it's the same same jungle, where and what what I mean by that is every third house is exactly the same, uh, and they're two inches apart. Uh, but it's in an area that if you've bought into the market, you've seen the capital growth, you sell out, and it's kind of like you, you don't want to buy there. Uh, mm. The rents in those places 
uh, are actually astronomical. And I'm, I don't want to mention the sort of suburbs, but we're, 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 I'm actually seeing this with a few people now and they're, they're trying to get back. They're almost better to go and bloody live in Turak and pay a couple of dollars extra. Um, it's just you'll pay probably $50,000 for the school more every year. But uh, yeah. we're seeing that dynamic here in Victoria in that some of those lower socioeconomic areas, the rents are proportionately significantly higher. Yeah, bottom end is Andy. You're dead right. Um, you know, I was thinking, you know, a four bedroom house. You know, if it's 1.5 million, you can't afford to buy 1.5 million, but you could probably rent it for 850 a week. You know what I mean? Like, like that that proportionate at that end. But at the bottom end, there's so much competition. Yeah. For for that stuff, yeah, it, it's it's the one that's getting a uh, a little bit more pressure than than the other spot. And and there is a bit of legislation that's come in, so you know, some of the investors need to be. You know, aware of that stuff. Our team have been briefing everyone on the, you know, um, how much they can put their rents up and so on. You know, um, Victoria, you know, the Victorian government's got in there a little bit. They're just going a little bit socialist as far as I'm concerned. Like they're just. Mate, so I, I, switched, <laughs> I switched on the television at the wrong time and I just had a cold shower and a few things shrunk even further. And. Uh, <laughs> So, mate, tell tell me what your take is on on what's come out, and I, I know we're we're sort of hitting time, but uh, mate, the the pieces that I heard and I haven't had a chance to research it made my skin crawl. So, what's what's your take on it so far? And I know it's really new, but yeah, it's new, and, and obviously it hasn't been legislated. But this is the sort of the thing they're going to go after. But you know, um, increasing the land tax, going after anyone you know who owns uh, you know X or Y value properties, um, you know. Anyone who sells out from a um, sells a piece of raw land for a development, they want to they want an exit fee on a, on a development zoned uplift. So you go, well, yeah, we rezoned it for you, so you need to pay us extra for the rezoning. Like what the, you know, and, and um, you know, you this, this you, you rezoned it uh, twenty seven months too late because nobody picked up the fucking the the. <laughs> <laughs> the zoning permits, you had to pay somebody in there just to have a coffee with them just so that you could uh, actually get it onto their table. Mate, that's extortion. That's extortion. Mate, it is. It's, it, it's, it's ludicrous and, you know, it's everyone's up in arms about it. Like I can tell you, like all of my circles, people are like, this is, you know, we're marching on the capital stuff for them, you know, like it's. That's, that's a then, Trump um, thing. Like when Trump basically said, if we're going to sell, uh, if we're going to stop TikTok from being able to operate in the US, then we're, and we're going to broker a sale between TikTok China and, and Microsoft at the time was one of the front runners, Donald Trump's like, well, we want a fee for that. Like that, that yeah. is extortion. Like, and that's, <laughs> that's not government's place to be doing that. That's ludicrous. No, no it's crazy, mate. Yeah. And then, you know, in the rental space, there's um, some, proposals and changes so you know certain areas and certain properties you can only increase the rent you know uh, a certain amount each year limiting it to ten dollars a year or whatever it might be so there are going to be some challenges in that space um and uh, my team's been pulling it apart a little bit thankfully you know when you are purchasing in certain areas and certain qualities and styles of property that that's not as impactful as you know potentially well, it's just some of like, those places. There's less people playing there. There's there's yeah. more. There's less people creating hysteria. Um, hysteria happens yeah. in the masses, not in the minority. Um, yeah. Which is probably, as you say, that flight to quality. Uh, Long term is just going to protect you against the volatility of uh, of hysteria. It could be really yeah. interesting, mate. That's a really good theme. I think that we should be watching moving forward. Um, mate, yeah. And uh, and maybe buying some land in a in a country that uh, won't turn into little China. That's very contentious for me. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, that, uh, the the, the Socialist <laughs> Republic of uh, of Victoria. Um, <laughs> Andy for president. Oh, premier. <laughs> 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 oh, can you imagine that? <laughs> well, uh, mate, um, there's a lot to uh, as smooth as yeah, it wasn't as smooth as we normally do it today, but it was. Certainly valuable. I got uh, I got uh, a couple of very curious ideas chatting to Paul, and hopefully people listening in were uh, interested as well. It's good that you booked us in for a, a longer chat with everyone. Well, mate, wanted to do that with uh, with Paul because I, there hasn't been a huge amount of change, but there's been enough change 
for us to really, you know, have a long conversation without constraints and, and let everyone hear the thought patterns that, that go through somebody who's a professional uh, business thinking accountant. Um, uh, and, and between the three of us, like we're all trying to think of new ways of doing it. We don't always think of the best yeah. ways, but we're always looking for what is the relationship that all of these different changes mean to each other and uh, and to our clients. And, and I think a, a longer conversation in and around that will be really beneficial for me and, and uh, you, probably yourself and, and everybody who listens. Yeah, right. So uh, even no, though no, it was short and sharp and, uh, and you were on the way somewhere, it shows that we can be nimble and, uh, and, and accommodate progress. But, uh, mate, I know that you've got to get somewhere tonight. Uh, just in the 30 seconds wrap-up, just to, to answer Jason's question, if you, if you thought that was valuable uh, and super keen to hear more, give us a thumbs up, give us some, uh, some light-ups on either the, 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 the thumbs or the, uh, the text comments uh, in there. We would love to see you. I know that uh, Calvin, James... Uh, Allison, as always, has been uh, has been super uh, super active in there, um, and uh, was Paul's talk recorded? I missed it. No, because we don't want to get sued. Just joking. Uh, it is. It, 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 are these recorded on your your channels? They are. They're part of a yeah, podcast. Yeah, in, in yeah they go live. Yep, they go live. Um, team gang listening in. So if you if you go, I don't know when we finish this. I think you can go back and watch it after it's processed. Um, again, so either in the Facebook page, the YouTube channel, uh, or the mentoring group. So, um, and also on on the Fenton pages as well. So, and uh, and uh, and where all good podcasts are found, you can find Wealth, Wine, and Wisdom uh, episode forty seven uh, as a podcast. So, if you ever miss it, you can listen to it in the car, like Jason was today. And, uh, and catch up on all that that was from the past. But uh, Spotify or iTunes. Spotify or iTunes. Well, mate, I'll let you get on with the weekend. Thank you, everyone, for, Thanks, for being a part of it. Uh, it was great, and it was great that you didn't cancel, uh, given you, you had other commitments, mate. That's the dedication to the cause. And uh, although we, we couldn't shoot the breeze as per normal, and here's the funny thing, mate, is I actually had you pegged in to do some real work after our conversation tonight. So, <laughs> so you've managed to you managed to slip out of that, but I'll try and catch you next week. But as always, uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we love to, to give as much as we possibly can from our weeks and as long as you continue to interact with us and continue to get value from what we bring to you we are going to continue to bring more we do have coming up in the not too distant future i didn't tell you jace still waiting on a response but um one of the head of supply chains for pacific advisory and transactional services in industrial and logistics it's a mouthful of a title uh is going to be coming soon miss miller or mrs miller um, so uh, hasn't confirmed yet, but uh, she is an incredible wealth of knowledge in supply chain logistics, which is becoming a theme. Um, but we'll continue to bring people like Paul, like Jason, like uh, Mrs. Miller, who you'll you'll hear from in the not too distant future. But mate, unless there's anything else on your side of the equation for tonight, mate, it's good night from him, and it's good night from me. We'll uh, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Thanks, gang.